everybody. My name is Jesse. If we haven't met, I'm one of the pastors here. I'm really excited to be speaking on the topic of light. We've sung a little bit about it. Uh, we're in this Christmas series where we're taking things that we value or appreciate or are just normal around the holidays and pointing to the deeper truths of the gospel that, that underlie them, uh, that at least for us have a bit more meaning. And uh, for me growing up, it did not feel like Christmas unless there was an abundance of lights. And so I thought, wow, you know, if I'm going to speak on light, I'd really love to set the mood as much as possible for myself up here. Because when I was growing up, uh, I was always the one in my family who would, who would really want to be involved in getting the lights on the tree. Uh, even, you know, I practiced all year long untangling my headphones so that I could get really good at this. And, uh, you know, because it's not, you know, you, no one just puts up a tree. You've got to have lights on the tree. And so, yeah, you know, I, I would want to be the one doing that or in our, in, around our house or maybe even outside if it were possible to get lights out there. Uh, it's just a, just a big part of what I really value at Christmas time. And I, I think, you know, most of us, we, we, we probably resonate with that a bit. There's, there's lots of stuff around the holidays where we can, uh, we can, you know, take in lights and then the wonder of them. Even in Abbotsford, there's an event called Glow Christmas where you can go and there's a whole display and, and all these different things going on at this event. They, they boast that there's half a million lights at this thing. And I'm, I'm going with my family in a couple of days, so we're really looking forward to that because light is just, it's just so exciting for us. And I don't know where lights are for you. Uh, maybe you, you, you're there, you're like, yes, as much light as possible. Uh, you know, it sets the, the vibe in the room, it sets the atmosphere, we just, we just have to have a lot of it. Uh, or maybe you're kind of like, oh, yeah, I, 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 I'm okay with them, but like if I have to be involved in kind of making them happen, that's, that's not really my thing. Uh, there was one guy I saw posted online, uh, maybe this is you too, where he, he wrote this. He said, my kids want to help me put Christmas lights up outside, which is good because I wanted it to take three more hours, <laughs> right? And I was like, come on, Dad, don't be like that. Or, you know, maybe you're the dad who's like, you know, kids, we're just going to leave the lights up all year long because it took that long last year. It was all the untangling and all that stuff, you know, and, like, you know, one bulb goes out and the whole string goes out. We're just not having that hassle. Uh, maybe that's you and, and, you know, your your wife or your mom has to kind of remind you, like, it's all for the cause, dear. And, you know, you're just trying to, like, like, it's just, you know, like, maybe that's you. And, but for me, no, like, this is, this is a big part of it. And, and, you know, it just wouldn't be Christmas without lights. Like, Christmas would be dull without lights. And in the same way Christmas would be dull without lights, we believe here that the world would be dark without Jesus. And what we want to discuss today is the fact that light has dawned. And so if you would, if you have a Bible, we're going to go to Isaiah chapter 9. Which, if you've uh, been in church uh, around the Christmas season before, you know this is a familiar passage because it's a very specific promise, a very specific prophecy hundreds of years before Jesus ever showed up on the scene about the fact that light would break into the darkness. Uh, I'm going to read a couple of these verses from the first section of chapter 9. I'm probably going to pause a few times to explain a few things just to get us all on the same page. Uh, but I'm going to start reading in verse 1 which says this, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he, speaking of God, will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. 
So there's a lot of geographical references. We're just going to pause here for a second because what, where, where is all this? What's all this, this region that, that's being described? What's the setting? How did we get here? And thus far in the biblical story, uh, it started back with a good and great and glorious God who creates a perfect world that mankind turns away from his, his intentions, his plans, rebels against him, uh, rejects him walks away from the source of life, and the Bible calls that sin, and things start to dismantle from there, uh, whereby God's perfect thing, his masterpiece, starts to become marred by this darkness, and God doesn't want to get rid of that plan or, or abandon it or start all over, but no, what he wants to do is he promises he's going to fix this, and promise after promise he makes, and it's going to involve bringing a rescuer. And that rescuer will eventually come at Christmas, but in the meantime, these will work with a group of people through whom this rescuer will come. They become the nation of Israel, and he, you know, he helps them, he sets up kings for them. But, but time and time again, they just continue to walk away from him, resist uh, his authority over their lives, and it just, just destroys them over and over again. They end up in dark places, they end up in places they shouldn't be. And that's the state here in Isaiah's prophecy. Their kingdom had divided Israel between the north and south. And this northern region, which is the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, is about to be invaded by the nation of Assyria. And none of this is what the, the people wanted. None of this was God's heart for them. But nevertheless, it was the consequences for their rebellion. But it's not all doom and gloom. Verse 2 says, the people walking in darkness... Walking in darkness, uh, maybe we should just pause there for a second because maybe that's you today. Maybe you feel like there's something about your situation. Maybe you're here and you're exploring Christianity, you're exploring faith and going, is there something out there that could give me a different way to live? Is there something out there that could be different than what I am experiencing? Because what I am experiencing is not that great. What could be offered for me? Walking in darkness. And these people, the people walking in darkness, it says in verse 2 of Isaiah 9, have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness. A light has dawned. And this is what we want to discuss this morning. Because like these people are in this bad way because they resist God's rule. And really, honestly, that's a message for us on its own. That unless Jesus rules our life, we end up emptying and destroying our lives on our own rule. But a light has dawned. And, and, he, and he describes the promises and how this is all going to come about in verses 3, 4, and 5. And then we get to verse 6. And it's this very familiar Christmas passage for us in the church. Which says, how is this light going to dawn? What is this going to look like? Verse 6, it says, for to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He'll reign on David's throne, one of the kings as part of this, this line and this, this nation of Israel. That what these promises were made about. He will reign on that throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And this promise points towards Christmas. This promise points towards the arrival of God's chosen Savior. God himself entering our darkness. Light would dawn. 
And just so we're all on the same page this morning about what light and darkness are, I thought it would be helpful for us to understand, well, what does the Bible mean when it talks about these topics? They're, they're pretty big themes. A technical term would be these pretty big motifs in Scripture. When we're talking about darkness, the Bible often is associating these things with it. Distress and despair, anxiety, confusion, destruction, hopelessness, loneliness, wickedness, sin and rebellion, hostility to God, moral depravity, spiritual ignorance, death, and judgment. I don't know if any of those categories associate what you would say is darkness in your life. But when the light breaks into darkness, that's just what it's contrasting against. And so then what is the light talking about? When we're talking about that from Scripture, here are the things associated with light. God's presence, God's word, life, truth, goodness, salvation, knowledge, revelation, wisdom, healing. Things that obviously most of us would desire, most of us would long for, especially if we're feeling like we're living in darkness right now. And especially for these people in Isaiah's prophecy who are in a place that they should not have been and don't want to be anymore. And God breaks into that. I don't know if you've ever like experienced like darkness even on a visible level like i'm sure all of us have experienced power outages at some point and the frustration behind that like we we just know darkness is just associated with just negativity or inconvenience or, or just stuff that's not good uh you know we've had power outages you know in this city uh, one time growing up uh in northern bc we had this really big storm one year and i don't remember how we survived because it was just like, this crazy amount of wind and rain and thunder and lightning trees were coming down there was one guy i know who almost drowned walking home in the street like that's how much water there was like I couldn't believe it and and we went without power the power was knocked up because of all these trees knocking down power lines and stuff like that and it wasn't like the inconvenient you know couple hours or whatever that just you know you're hoping your phone stays charged for that time and you don't have to figure out what you're going to do after that no this was four days without power in this town like you could have probably made like a movie about it like it was just that crazy like like people ransacking grocery stores and stuff right but um we were in this, and, and you know, when you're, when you're living in that, you're like, how did, how did most of history live without electricity, right? And you're like, I, I don't know what's going on. Like, what do, what do we even do with it? We sit and watch this candle? Like, I don't know what we do. And, and so, we're, we're, you know, we're in there, and, and, and honestly, you start to realize, wow, what darkness is, and it's so appropriate why Scripture talks about it this way, is you feel lost. You feel disoriented. You feel limited. You feel like you can't accomplish things that you need to accomplish and, and that's, the, that's the picture here. That's the picture of darkness. And so we need light. Each of us needs light. And the message of Christianity isn't that, well, you know, things are so bad and it's just so hopeless. So you may as well just enjoy this life. You've only got one uh, life to live. So you may as well just make the most of it. Eat, drink, be merry, do what you've got to do. Uh, just to, so that when you die, you had the most happiness you could possibly have. And that was it. That's not the message of Christianity. But nor is it a message of, well, you know what, you guys just need to try harder. You just need to rally as a society and as individuals uh, to, to put yourself in a place where, where you just keep you know, checking things off the list, keep accomplishing goals, keep working towards the betterment of society so that you'll completely heal all wrongs and, and everything out there. That's also not the message. The message is we can't do this. We need help from the outside. And so that is the message. Of Christianity is that on us a light 
has shone. Not light that came up from within, but light that shone from heaven coming to earth, breaking into our world through the person of Jesus. So that eventually when he does come, we read this in John's gospel, Jesus' own words about himself. In John 8, verse 12, he says to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And I think even as I hear those words again, I'm like, we need this. I want this. I don't want the darkness. The darkness is something I cannot fix. Unfortunately, light has dawned. And this morning, I want to discuss two categories of darkness that really will drill down into making this light helpful for us. The first category of darkness is situational darkness. The, The darkness of our experience, of our circumstances, things happening in our life that just we wish were not there. And each of us right now, if we're honest, there's something in your life that you wish is, was not there right now. That even as I'm mentioning it, it's uncomfortable because you wish you didn't have to think about it right now. You've been trying to put it out of your mind. You're going to come to church and you're going to be distracted by the community and by the songs and, and you just want to get all that circumstance out of, your, out of your thoughts. But there's something there. Situationally, there is darkness. Which is especially rough at Christmas time because so much that you see is joy and laughter and happiness and, and I, I'm, just, I'm just thinking of people in my own, my own sphere, my, people I've encountered. Even this week, I, you know, I, I, I encountered a guy who I come to find out that he, he significant loss in his life because his neighbor's home was on fire and it damaged his own. And now he's got stuff that is just irreplaceable. And his one word to sum up his experience is stress. The darkness of stress. Like, what do you do with that? You didn't plan for that to happen. You didn't want for it to happen. But now it's there, and it's there in the midst of Christmas season. Or the picture I have in my head of a couple who are just really, you know, they, they want to start a family, but infertility is their darkness. And over and over, year after year, Christmas after Christmas, that they could have as a family, they're experiencing the, the disappointment of that. And that's their darkness. Maybe it's not inconvenience or or disappointment that's your thing. Maybe it's grief that is your darkness. Or at Christmas time, you realize there is an empty seat at your table that a loved one, a friend, or a family member once occupied, and now you have to figure out what to do with that. And I was even thinking of that for myself this Christmas because I realized, like, at, at, at 16 years old, cancer took my mom and it was the month of September, and, we, and you know, September is pretty close in relation to Christmas at the end of December, and I was, I was kind of calculating up the years, and I realized, wow, I have almost, how old I am now, I've almost experienced more Christmases without my mom than with my mom, and that is a darkness in and of itself, and maybe that's a darkness you have, be it, be it grief, be it disappointment, be it inconvenience, be it loss, whatever it is, there is situational darkness for you. You're wondering, what do I do with that in this Christmas season? And I love how one scholar puts it commenting on Isaiah's prophecy, where he acknowledges, and I think God wants to acknowledge and not skip over your darkness today, realizing that, hey, darkness and this this despair and distress, they're real. They're real. You know they are real. But they're neither the only reality nor the fundamental reality. 
See, we can either sink into despair or we can rise to faith and hope. And I hope what God's message for you today, as the light of the world speaking into your darkness, is there is a way forward for you today. Whatever your circumstance, whatever your situation, however you got there, something is pressing into you. And there is a way forward because light has dawned. But there might be a second category that's not so much something that's pressing into you, but maybe something you yourself are pressing into. Something that you're pursuing, an attitude, an activity, a thought pattern, a relationship, the way you spend your time or something that that is all of these things pointing away from God, opposite to what he would want for you. Resisting his rule, resisting what he says is best in rebellion or ignorance or, or, or just plain old what the Bible would call sin. So yes, there's situational darkness, but there's also sinful darkness as well. Things that we pursue. See, Jesus does come as the light to give life, but in the process, one of the things that happens is sin is exposed. The things that are not life are revealed. And the darkness of death, the darkness of things that destroy us are pointed out for us, and maybe that's it for you. Maybe it's not your situation. Maybe it's your sin that God wants to cast a light on today. And like, he, like Jesus says in John 12, these words that maybe speak into that. In John 12, starting in verse 44, he's speaking to this crowd. He cries out and says, Whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. Whoever sees me sees him who sent me. I've come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. Jesus doesn't want us to remain in darkness. He doesn't want you to stay in your darkness. And it's interesting because once the 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 fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy happens in the gospel of Matthew in chapter 4 this is pointed out Jesus begins his ministry he enters these geographical regions you know of Zebulun Naphtali Galilee by way of the sea and what's said about him is hey this is fulfilling that prophecy Jesus is this savior Jesus is this promised rescuer he's here and when he starts that when he fulfills Isaiah's prophecy one of the first things Jesus says in Matthew's account as he begins this, as he is light shining in the world, as light does dawn, as he says, repent. Turn from your way of things. Turn from living for yourself. Turn from ruling your own life. Turn to me. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Something different is breaking into this world. A kingdom not associated with despair and darkness and distress and judgment and sin and punishment and rebellion and wickedness. No, a different type of kingdom, a kingdom of light, a kingdom of life, a kingdom of righteousness, the kingdom of God. Turn from that. Be it situational darkness, be it sinful darkness, 
because light has dawned, because Jesus is the light of the world, there is a way forward for you and for me today. Because either of these things, your experience that's pressing into you or something that you are pressing towards, Jesus is the light. And our lives do not need to be dark because light has dawned. See, I want to come back to this happy little bundle here on the floor. You all thought I forgot about it, I didn't. When we make Jesus our ruler, when we make him our rescuer, as John says in John 8, you have the light of life. You don't stay in darkness. And see, I wonder for some of us that you're hearing what's being said about Jesus. You're hearing what's being said about your circumstance or about your activity in life. And you're going, I might even agree with that, but I do not feel it right now. The darkness is distracting, I get it. And emotionally, you may not be attached to these words of Jesus. You may not be attached to the concept of light. But he is that. And Jesus is not depending on your feelings to be light. He already is that. He is that. So maybe what you need to do to, to, to walk into the light and to, and, to, and to receive that life that he has is to take what you may already agree with in your head and bring it down into, into your heart. Use your head to hijack your heart. Bring what you know into what you feel. And if that's you today, I hope that can happen. That you don't let your feelings become a barrier to experiencing what you know to be true about your situation, about your sin, whatever it is. Light has dawned. But maybe, maybe it's not so much that you don't feel it. Maybe you do feel it right now. Like, well, yes, I, I agree. I am here this morning. Christmas season is great. I'm thriving right now where I'm at. There doesn't seem like there's a lot of darkness right now in the present. But when I look ahead to over here, I'm thinking it could get dark. I'm not planning for it to get dark. I'm just wondering I'm thinking worst case scenario. I'm thinking about the future. I'm thinking about when my kids graduate high school. I'm thinking about if I'm going to make it through this next season of health. I'm wondering what that phone call from the doctor is going to be. I'm wondering how this relationship is going to pan out. I'm wondering, I'm wondering, I'm wondering. I don't know, even though things are good now, I don't know if they're going to be that later. And while light might be here, it might get dark later on. And you might be worried, you might be nervous, you might be concerned, anxious about the future. Maybe it's not your feelings that are the thing. Maybe it's your future that's the thing. But see, the thing is, is when we bring Jesus into our life, when we do trust him, when he does give us the light of life, even though we don't know how dark it's going to be, what we do know is that when we get there, we have light. And it doesn't matter how, we're, how, how dark things might get over here. If you already are over there and you've caught light, light will be with you. And although your circumstance may not change, you might change in your circumstance. Although the, the, the consequences of your sin may not change, but your connection to sin might just change. Because of who he is. Because light has dawned. Offers it to us. So, could we wrap ourselves in this today and walk in it 
I want to give us three suggestions for how we could. Obviously, there could be more than three. There could be a better three, but these are just three that as I, as I think about it, as I process it, I wonder about. Maybe the first step is just to step into the light. Maybe today's the day. Could today be the day where it's not so much about what I have said, but by what Jesus has said. When he comes and says, I am the light of the world. If you believe in me, if you follow me, you won't walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Is, could today be the day where you take him at his word? But for so long, you're waiting for the, the preacher to say just the right combination of words or the right phrases to kind of move you into an action step. Could today be the day where Jesus' words are enough for you? Where you go, enough is enough with this darkness for me. I'm just going to say yes to him based on what he has said about himself. Could today be that day? Where you step into the light, maybe for the first time or maybe for a repeated time. See, as I was praying about this right now, this week, I hit Wednesday, and I'm thinking about this room. I'm thinking about the 9 a.m. service, the Nickel Hall service, the 11 a.m. service. And I'm going, Lord, what, what would you want to say, knowing that you are the light of the world? What would you want to say to your people? And a phrase just kept coming back to me, and maybe it's a phrase for you today. The phrase of, take one more step. Take one more step in the light. Or your situation may be so dark that you, you've looked at it and you've, you've been in it for so long that maybe you've just become content with it. And you've just gone, you know what, I'm giving up. I'm just going to sit in it. There's no chance for change at this point. So I'm just going to give up. I'm going to pack it all in. And I'm just going to let the darkness be the darkness. And just ride this out. Maybe you just need to take one more step. Just for today. One more step in the light. And maybe it's not giving up, that's the thing for you. Maybe it's giving in, that's the thing for you. Or you've been wrestling with a really bad decision that's going to affect you negatively. You even maybe know that. You've maybe even made this decision before and you're wrestling about making it again. And maybe God's word to you today is take one more step in the light. Just one more for today. One more step of trust. One more step of obedience. One more step of following the one who is the light in your darkness. Could that be it for you? To trust the one who came and did everything when we could do nothing. Who came and lived a life we couldn't. Took on our sin. Took on our darkness. Died in our place, defeated it, came back to life, and now offers us this life. Could this be the day where you go, I'm going to trust that one more time. I'm going to obey him one more time. And the great thing about it from my perspective is I don't even need to necessarily get too specific. Because odds are God has already pointed out something for you. Where you need to take one more step in the light. Two other ways. Maybe we need to pray what is true, walk in the light that way, or maybe we need to walk in the light by saying what is true. And this does kind of put it on us. We, we, we do need to know what is true already. We do need to know what God says. We do need to know what God has done. But then just talk it back to him or talk it back to ourselves. And in prayer we go, Lord, this is dark. And I know you know it's dark. I know you know my situation. I know you know my sin. And I'm going to get real specific with you. I'm going to get real honest with you about what is true about this on my end. But I'm also going to get real with what's true on your end. 
and what you have done and who you are. And maybe it's telling it to him in prayer by yourself or with others, or maybe it's saying it to yourself over and over, preaching that message of what is true to yourself in the midst of your darkness. Where you don't know how things are going to pan out, but you do know him who is true, him who is light, and you're just going to bring that truth into your circumstance because of who he is. I I really like what, what Paul does in Colossians 1, where he both prays and says what is true. I think this can be so helpful for us as we think about the darkness in our lives. He's talking to this church in a city called Colossae, and he says, Since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he's rescued us from what? From the dominion of darkness, and brought us to where? When I read this, I often think it's just going to parallel dark and light. What does he do? He brought us into the kingdom of his son. Because the opposite of the darkness is Jesus. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I don't know where you're at right now. I don't know what kind of darkness might be part of, uh, of your life. Could you step into the light, stay in the light, pray what is true, say what is true, based on who he is, on what he has done on our behalf this Christmas. Let me pray for us. Jesus, I'm I'm just so thankful. I'm so thankful that this is true. I'm so thankful that you've revealed yourself to us and want to disperse our darkness, that you care enough about each person in this room that you would want to do that. Lord, I want to pray for those right now who you've pointed something out to them, something about their situation, something about their sin maybe. God, the disappointment could be real. The grief could be real. The despair, the anxiety, the depression, the disappointment could be real. The ignorance of you could be real. The rebellion against you could be real. Whatever it is, I'm grateful that you are light. So for whoever that might be today, Pray that you'd meet them in a way that makes sense to them. And I thank you that you are that good to do so. 